3: 106.5 FM
0: Los Angeles 102.3 FM Riverside
3: and 105.0 AM
4: Palm Springs In the interview we are doing a paranormal section. So um, yeah. what we've got is we've got um, uh, she's a psychic, she reads tarot, um, astrology charts and uh, one thing really really kind of curious for us here she does crime investigations so joining us from uh, Tennessee I believe is Gail Carrier how are you doing Gail
2: I'm doing pretty good
4: well here we how are, are. You? Um, <laughs> now uh, a, a, a true crime writer and a publisher actually sent us to you so and she said you've got you've to have her on the show you got to check her out um, so what's all the excitement about (laughs) why i don't know
2: she (laughs) recommended me
4: (laughs) yeah no so i mean well obviously she was really interested and very um uh excited about your crime scene investigations and stuff and kind of you've um had an impression on her so um how did you get into um doing that sort of work well i've
2: actually been doing this sort of thing since 1985 And uh, it was just a fluke that I met some people who lived in Louisiana who had a missing relative, missing family member. And over time, not like years, but uh, I I actually ended up going down there. And I am credited with solving this case, except that this girl has still not been found. And, you know, I do have my own ideas what happened to her, but... I have to tell you, not everybody wants to listen to me, which is the way it goes sometimes.
4: Well, yeah, I, I would imagine that um, you kind of have mixed reviews with with law enforcement and uh, and with people in in that sort of field. Um, I, I, I just uh, so so how and all of that. How do you separate how you feel about a case? Because when you're when you're learning something about a case, it. it It evokes feelings in us right you know of course you feel sad or happy or upset about certain things or mad you get these feelings how how can you define which is coming from you and which is coming from perhaps um a victim
2: well what you have to first do is learn that you know your responses are just part of what's in your own psyche and, I mean, you can be very upset or angry or whatever about a, a victim in you know, the situation, but yet at the same time, you know, you can learn and you, people do learn to separate the feelings they have about the case versus the victim. And it, and this is a crazy thing to tell you, but it actually seems to have come together more, uh, learning about this in cases dealing with children. Because, you know, they're going to be highly emotional. They're going to be very, uh, you, know, in, you know, a lot going on with that. So if you don't learn to separate, as they say, the wheat from the chaff, you're, you're not going to do a good job. That's just the way it is.
4: Yeah, I would imagine. And, and so um, when you got involved, did you get involved um, via the family of a victim or something like that, or was it the police themselves?
2: Well, sometimes it's been the police, sometimes it's been family, and sometimes it's just, I don't do this anymore, because. (laughs) but I have been known to pick up the phone and call and say, hey, this is what's going on. And uh, occasionally I've written letters and things like this. But over time I've found that they just see people who do that as nut jobs, so it's really (laughs) kind of pointless.
4: (laughs) Well, and not only that, I mean, you could also set yourself up to being accused if you know something about the crime, and you say it's psychically given to you, and then they, they kind of wonder, well, how did she know, right? So I'd imagine.
2: Well, maybe, maybe. I mean, that that's happened, but a lot of the believe it or not, a lot of things I've gotten involved with have been in other states and other areas. So, I mean, I'd have to be one fast shaker to get from, say, North Carolina, Outer Banks, to... Middle Tennessee in the space of a couple of hours or something like that. You know, it, it lot, of course, a lot depends on the case. But, uh, you know, I, I don't mind. I mean, I, I'll take a risk and tell them what I see about it. And, you know, if that's and, and then I feel like I've done what I'm supposed to do. And it's just basically up to them to whether or not they want to relate to me or contact me in, in any way, shape or form.
4: Yeah, it's a pretty interesting field. Um,
2: Yeah,
4: definitely. You know, yeah, because there's, there's, like I said, there's so many many people involved, so many emotions. I could imagine it would be a real roller coaster ride for you um, as you get things and find out things that, um, you know, and it doesn't matter how many times you've dealt with things, I'd imagine it would be, it can still be um, upsetting.
2: Oh, yes, and if you keep in mind that some some of us go on actual crime scenes, and then there's evidence based on you know just 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 what goes on in a crime, you're going to see things you know and potentially some of it's going to be somewhat i mean lack of a better way to put it, it's just going to be horrible so that that's something that police officers have to learn, detectives have to learn and to separate themselves from what what's going on. And that's no different than us. And even psychically, sometimes we see these things but there's just so little we can do about it that we we just have I think most of us anyway just get to where we accept it and that's kind of kind of basically the end story.
4: Yeah. How how but, do they how do they treat you, um law enforcement in all?
2: Time when I actually do police work, they, they treat me okay. I don't have a lot of uh problems with them. But a lot depends, too, of course, on the detectives involved. And I hate to say it, but some of them, I think, get a little bit um, weird about it. And some people have personal beliefs. A lot of people don't want to say they believe in psychics. They don't think psychics are going to do anything. And I can certainly appreciate that. And I guess that's one reason why, over the years, I've just kind of learned to take a oh well attitude to it. If they like me and want to work with me, that's great. But if not, you know, well, okay, I did my best.
3: Hi there, it's Julie. Um, I just trying just kind of going back a, a tiny bit, if that's okay. So, how do sure. you receive psychically? How do you receive your information?
2: It just comes to me like it's a little bit like if you're just you know just think if someone tells you something I saw a wreck on the interstate or the highway or however you call it up there, you know and and then all of a sudden you see something in your head, and it, it's about the wreck. That's just kind of the same thing about what happens with me or with any of us. You know you just get these flashes that that of how this thing came about and you just run with it. So would but you I've describe it learned... as
3: something that you just know? You just know that's happened? Right. Or is, or is it visual? Or with, with my, myself, my own ability would be that I know something happened. I wouldn't necessarily see or hear, although I may do, but it, predominantly it is a knowing. Something like that. But like a lot of times when people will say, well, you know,
2: a lot of people would say to me, I'm missing a brother and, and then I get a, a flash of a young man with, with, say, dark hair or, you know, something like that. I'll say, does he have dark hair and these kind of things. And then sometimes we do uh, a thing that's called psychometry. And what that is basically, and you may have heard of it, is mm-hmm. where a person holds an object belonging to someone and perceiving information about the person from their objects you know watch these things of this nature
3: and I'm I've got to be I'll be really honest and put my cards on the table so I I respect everything that you're saying and doing my my concern is is with the role within the police and um, as a as an as an experienced medium myself I struggle with the. Um, I, I suppose I struggle with the weight of the information we can give, and um, and whether or not we can add to, to delay and therefore risk to people uh, by giving the wrong interpretation of spirit information. And that's that's this obviously something you've come across.
2: Right. That that is something we have to take full responsibility for, and. This, this is how I would handle it myself is just to say, okay, this is what I see. This is my interpretation and, and try to, and, you know, maybe try to work with this person about that information. But And I always say, I always preface this, look, you know, this is what I see. and And, you know, I could be wrong, but this is what I come up with. And I don't expect to be 100% right about it but I don't expect to be 100% wrong. I mean I know enough about the investigative process to know that for a lot of it it's just simply Occam's Razor. So if you're doing this sort of thing you just kind of get an idea of how things would normally go and you we know a little bit a lot I mean well I say that but a lot of us learn you know just the typical things like we know that most people are harmed by someone they know we know that's very true so you're you're, you know you're moving more into technical fields in fact i have on occasion thought about getting a private investigator's license but then again i then i've talked myself out of it you know but but the the truth of the matter is is that there is a lot of responsibility there so you just have to be willing to accept that responsibility
3: and it takes You know, I think I'm right in saying it takes somebody incredibly skilled to understand the difference between intuition and a message. Exactly. Well,
2: you know, I I think the one reason I tell people (laughs) how old I am is not because I'm I'm worried about people being, you know, prejudiced about age or anything like that. But just to illustrate that I've been involved in this a long time and I've kind of, I guess what I want to say is that I have learned over the years that sometimes there are just things I don't want to be involved in. I mean, there is wisdom in that. And there is wisdom in, you know, understanding that, that not all of us are going to be able to give the same information or the similar information. A lot of it is almost like a psychic opinion. But I do know that people... It's kind of hard to put into words, but when, when someone asks me something, what do I think about something or what do I feel about something, to me, those are two completely different dynamics. Hmm. So if, I, if someone says, what do you feel about this case, my thought on that subject may be very different than if they say, what do you feel psychically or whatever you want to call it yeah. about this case.
3: And I, I guess for people who don't understand how how information is gathered as a psychic, you they they would struggle with that. They would struggle to understand how you can differentiate and and request that information at different times.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. Well, one of the things I believe, and you probably understand this too, is you reach a place, you reach this level where you. It's not that you don't care. That's not it. You just you just accept that you know yourself well enough to understand your own limitations and you understand what you are capable of and not capable of. And I think that what happens after that is that, that you grow from that and you learn about how to follow through the rest of the
3: way. I, I agree, and I think it takes a certain set of, um, of experience to be able to say, I'm not getting anything. or I Yeah, sometimes you and, just don't. And I, I don't get a feeling for this or um, I don't know how to make sense of it, so it's not helpful if I give the information. Well, I have
2: told people, look, I've, look this is probably not, I'm not the best fit for this. Uh, I've done it many times and, and, and I don't feel any shame or anything like that about it either. But... Uh, and I But, you know, people sometimes really, I guess the, the right way to put it is that some people are just simply desperate to get an answer. And I mm-hmm. just tell them, I say, okay, this is what I feel, but you might want to check this out to see if it's valid or not. But, you know, like I say, and, and I know you know this, but when you do this enough, you, you, you learn to accept what you can and cannot do. And you know what you can and cannot do. And... If if you're out and about and you perceive something, let's say about someone, then I don't know about you, but I tend to hold on to it and let it, what I say, come around a couple of times and then I then I run with it.
3: Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Three times. If I hear so, if I feel something three times, then I'll voice it. But otherwise, I keep them.
2: I think that's a good policy. And to me, I, people want to know what it looks like. It's just like a, a merry-go-round. It comes around, it comes around, and, it, and if it continues to come around, and you know you've hit on something. And then, of course, we both know there are some things that happen that that it doesn't matter how many times it goes around, you knew it on the first, you know, the first ball. Yes,
3: yeah. So in, in terms I've learned of... Um expectations upon you especially in your early days so now you're much more able to gauge exactly what you should and shouldn't be involved in but in the early days how did that feel and how did you learn to be sort of kind of as responsible as you are today because that is a process isn't it with us so how did you learn that?
2: Well you know I, was, I think it's safe to say that in the early days I was really nervous And I was all so fearful of being wrong that I think I might have been wrong a few times just because I was so scared of being wrong. But after a while, you know, like I say, I've been doing this enough and I had friends and people around me who were very supportive, who understood, you know, what I was experiencing. And, and, and I always made sure that I had people around me that were Supportive. I mean, I did not mess around with people who were going to be mean to me or negative or any mm. of that stuff. I mean, after a while, it, it just gets to be, uh, you know, I had to use this word, but dumb. You know, to keep going back, to well, you're getting hurt. You just don't want to keep keep doing that.
3: In terms of your, um, I, I guess again, how, I mean, how did you get involved with the, with the police investigation side of things. Were you? Because you're still doing tarot. You're still, um, you're still very able to give give private readings. So, how did you first get involved? From from moving from that position to, um, you know, what was your first case? How did they approach you on your first case? Well, the
2: first case I had was a case that happened in, like I said earlier, in Louisiana. This girl who was missing, and uh, her brother actually uh, came forward. And was fi- trying to find someone to to help, and apparently he knew some people here. See, Louisiana, where this case was, I have to tell you, it's a very strange state, <laughs> and um, you know a lot of the people there. I mean, they they go in and out of like it being illegal to do readings or to do psychic things, and then the next mm. week it's okay. So it just it just goes back and forth and so I think that it was just easier for them to just find somebody here to to do it or somewhere somewhere else and yeah. uh, I was in I was living in Nashville at the time so you know Nashville pretty much is my hometown but I, I even went down there you know and all this stuff but the case to me will always be one that Bothers me for several reasons. One is because I really believe that the person is, is responsible for her death. I don't think, I, I think, well, I'll just tell you, I think her brother killed her. I think the very one who was looking for answers mm. is the one who killed her. Because, wow. I, I mean, I just do. Does it's sounds um, very uh, interesting.
3: How much information, when, when you're um, undertaking an investigation, I'm sure this, this differs on investigation to investigation, how much information do you get about the case beforehand?
2: I try not to get any. I try not to... I try to encourage people not to tell me anything about the case um, before they come to me or... or or if someone if someone has to tell me anything, I always I always say please tell me as little as possible, because I don't want the case prejudiced. Number one and number two, I find out and I have to say this is true. <laughs> I can't get away from it. I actually enjoy the work better when it's when it's really more of a challenge than someone tells me a lot about the case. It, 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 it just works out better that way.
3: I understand that. Totally understand that. And what has been your greatest challenge or even your, your, your greatest achievement, do you think?
2: Well, one case I did work on, the, uh, several I worked on, The one case I was talking about with uh, Al just a couple of minutes ago, that one to some degree, but actually, the one that I, I really feel did was a better one was something that happened a long time ago, uh, quite a few years ago, actually, uh, a case where I had I'd heard of the news about this particular murder on the news. And this is where I'm saying that I I just picked up the phone and called downtown Nashville and they said, well, you know, that's nice, but. Uh, you know, we don't believe in psyching for a scientific organization. And I'm thinking, well, of course you are, you know, but, and, uh, so I, they, he was actually, I'll be honest, he was a little rude and, and all that, but I wasn't going to let that bother me. And I just decided, well, I'm going to go about my day. I did, I did my job, so to speak, and that was that. But anyway, what happened was, I mean, it wasn't but just a few minutes. Just the phone rings. I'm answering it. And he says, uh, this is so-and-so with Nashville Police Department. We just spoke on the phone. And according to this particular state law at the time, you know, you have to be over at the crime scene within about 10 to 15 minutes or we can have you arrested. And I'm thinking, well, that was a nice how-do-you-do. But yeah. anyway, I just got in my car and drove over there. And uh, and uh, what happened, the, the thing of it is, is was a young woman uh very young, really just married. You know, it's all a terrible tragedy. But anyway, her husband was out of town. He was a, a pilot. And uh, anyway, they. I walked in, and, and this is why I'm saying that you have to learn to see what you're seeing but not accept it in an emotional state. And there was uh, quite a lot of human gore all over the place and I'm standing in the middle of this and I'm, I'm not trying to absorb that I'm trying to think well what do I need to tell these three detectives that are standing there and I told them that the person that killed the girl was very young he was from a deep southern state and his parents were prominent he actually I mean we can be stereotypes you know he actually came from a very good family and he he uh, had a he was an African American young man, very young, and wore a uniform. And when I said wore a uniform, they all kind of bristled. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know, then I said, and I even taught him his name. I said his name would be Kenneth. And I said he had gold in his teeth. He wore a Jerry curl. He was this. He was that, and all this stuff about the state and everything. Well, there was nothing said. Nothing, nothing for over a year. And one day I was uh at home, and this person called and said, Gail, you really need to get get on TV, turn it on, and see what's happening. And when I did, the news was talking about that case and my involvement in it. And apparently the guy was from Clarksdale, Mississippi. His parents were on the school board down there. And uh, he was African-American, and he had Jerry Curl. He had golden in his teeth. And, and the name I gave him was the correct name. So I guess if I had a shining moment, that would have been it.
3: And do you have any regrets um, from your work? Because we all... No, um, well, certainly no, I've, no, not I at all. Away, I've walked away from situations and thought, you know, I just I just wish I could have made that clearer or... Afterwards, more information has come, uh, uh, and I don't mean in um, detective work or police work, because I, I don't do that, and I, and I and I don't feel I need or would do. But in terms of um, giving information and it just not being clear, sometimes you can walk away from a situation and, and just wish you'd been able to give more or been able to make sense of something in a different way.
2: Sure, that that's a real uh, possibility, and it, I know that it's happened. But I generally just. Uh, I don't know. I just do what I can and tell. I'm, I have a different approach. I don't really care if they, well, <laughs> i got to say this properly. It's not that I don't care what they feel or think. That's not the, That's not what I want to say. But I tend to be, when it, there's, a, there's a part of me that shuts off when I'm involved in the psychic world. And there's another part that, that forms in view of the psychic world. And when I'm involved in that, that psychic part of me takes over. So, so, and, and I'm nice about it. I say, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be so brassy or blunt or whatever, but you know, this is what I get. You know, we can talk about it. This is how I perceive it. You know, what do you think? How, you know, but, and, and yeah, I mean, there are times I think I could have done more, should have done more. But I also believe that at that moment in time, I'm doing everything that I can do within my limits.
1: So. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello?
0: In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I
3: don't know if
2: that answered your question.
3: Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So, I mean, earlier on to, and I can't remember actually if this was on air or off air, so I'm not going to say it again, but you, you spoke to Alan and I about, um, and you mentioned your age, and And I'm not saying that, that I don't think that's relevant to the conversation, except for um, we we kind of plan and map out our our careers, our pathways. So in terms of yourself, you're highly experienced. I think Esther, that's the best way of putting it, isn't it? You're a very, very experienced medium, and um, you've done so many things to get to the point where you're at. So what's your next steps? I'm trying
2: to put together an anthology of all my ghostly events, things that's happened to me um, throughout my life. And I've had some very profound things to happen to me. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll say this. I grew up in the South, you know, it's a buckle on the Bible belt. And when young, uh, I was told, all oh, this was wrong, you know, blah, blah, blah. Even though everybody in my family is extremely psychically gifted, it kind of just like, what? But... Um, but I've had profound, such profound experiences that to me in my mind, it, it's like it proved to me that there is something out there greater than us. And I just think it would be a great way to, you know, explore that further and, you know, let her, uh, you know, give everyone else a chance to see.
3: And, in, and in terms of um, psychic development, do you help others to develop their abilities? Yes. Do you you feel that you're born with it, or do you feel that it's it's something you can evolve from scratch?
2: No, I I think, like I said, I come from a family where everybody talks about having had some kind of paranormal experience, and I, I, yes, I do readings, I do read tarot, but tarot to me is just a tool, Um, but... I do teach tarot, and I do teach astrology, and I teach palmistry, and all of that. And I, and I, and also I've got a class later in the month on development E.S.T. So I think that's, that that will be kind of fun.
3: And you mentioned earlier the um, this, the psychology. It's something that I, I totally really enjoy. Um, but for some for some of our listeners, they may not fully understand how that works. Are you able to help us with that?
2: The, the idea is that everything that a person owns, particularly if they've had it a while, it has become imbued with your own personal vibrations, And so someone who's sensitive to this can pick up information about the person or the owner through those objects. And it can be anything. But I tend to like to use a wallet or a um, uh, set of keys. For some reason, that seems to work more for me.
3: And you've never I don't been told know, by spirit why that might be?
2: No, that's just something I've done all my life. You know, I've never thought about it. But I, I'll tell you something I do, and and I really talk about this a lot. Um, I don't know how to put this, but I, I'm an artist, a little bit of an artist, and sometimes when people come to me, in spirit, I draw them, and and I and I give I just give the artwork whatever to the person you know, and as, you know, like if someone's uh, uncle or nephew or child or whatever comes through to me, I usually can draw them and oh, and wow. put it on paper. Mm-hmm.
3: Does that apply when you maybe go into an alleged haunted building, or is it normally a direct one-to-one connection with somebody?
2: No, I can do it. It, I mean, I don't sit around and draw stuff in a haunted building. But if I'm there later, I mean, later on, I can say, oh, this is what I saw, and then draw out the person, and then Mm. the child, whatever.
3: And when did you first realize that, that you could do all of the things that you can do? Probably when I was very
2: young. I I followed my first ghost when I was around five. And actually it was a really cool experience. I've never had anything particularly bad happen to me.
4: Now, out of all the things you do, um, tarot, astrology, and crime investigations, and haunted house and all that stuff, what's your favorite?
2: i really, do want to be honest with you, I think I like working with police officers in crime investigations. Because it is the one way to really give back to the society um, that, and it's so interesting, there's just nothing more fascinating, you know, than this. I mean, I, I'm sorry that it has to come about this way, but that is what I like to do. But I do, I do enjoy tarot and readings and all that, and I don't like to use any of that stuff until it gets to this point where you kind of want to prove yourself that's what you were seeing, and then often tarot does that.
3: See, I've, I've never really been um, drawn to tarot. I had to be really careful how I worded that, if I was honest. I nearly said I've never been really interested, and that's not actually the way I meant it. But I, I guess it's the... Um, I'm fascinated by it because people um, actively use it with or without a, a psychic ability. But I, I remember going to see somebody when I was very young and they said, every card has numerous, up to 12 meanings, and it depends on what card falls with the other cards, that that's how we understand it. And then I think that I've been to see, or I've, I've certainly seen people um, undertake tarot, where that doesn't apply and there's almost, um, it, it seems to me like over the, the generations, over the years, it's almost been uh, reduced in, in the skill set that's needed to really undertake a full tarot reading. Would you, would you understand that?
2: I'm not really sure what you're saying, but I will say that I've noticed over the years that way too many people want to get a deck of tarot, and they want to know if they're going to get a boyfriend, a husband, a partner, a job when really the tarot is much deeper than that, and uh, it has much more meaning than that sort of stuff. Not that those things don't count, but tarot is vastly, um, I think, underutilized. And I kind of, I, I teach it because I, I like to, because I like meeting people and, and all this kind of thing, but I always stress that tarot is a tool. It's a, a way to bridge that gap, let's say, between what's going on in the unconscious mind and to be put out here in a physical form. Now, actually, I'll tell you what I actually like to do in a reading is I like to do someone's chart. That way I get to know them, and that way I can tune into that person, what they're feeling and experiencing. And that generally leads more to, I I am more fulfilled by that than, say, using tarot but there again people like the color the pageantry the ritual to roll and that's perfectly fine you know but that's just kind of you know the way people are
3: so if you um how quickly when you sit with somebody do you get information so for i i would ask for information i wouldn't necessarily although it does happen sometimes get information spontaneously um but when, well, most of the time, are... by the time someone's come to me, I already have a
2: basket load of information, you know. And I, that, I,
3: yeah,
2: I understand that and, too. And sometimes because, I write it down, you know, what I feel, and I hand it to them and I uh, say, wow, all of this is what I want to know about.
3: And But that, is that because before they arrive with you, before you're already aware that they're coming, aren't you? So, you're, I suppose, for, for, subconsciously, you're already requesting the information and the link?
2: Um, I'm sure that has something to do with it. Now, I have a lot of paranormal things happen around me. Like the other day, I was sitting here uh, in my den, and, and it sounded like someone was pounding on the door. And I said, Richard, I said, someone's with the door, and, uh, and I, which was really odd, you know. And so he goes to the door, and there's nobody there. See, I don't do readings anymore. I don't, I mean, I do readings, but what I'm saying is I don't let people just come here or to me. I want an appointment. And the reason being is that my time is valuable too. And um, and I'm, and you know, I had the right to make that distinction at this point. And, and I really thought it was so odd that someone was pounding on the door and it was so loud and then there was nobody there. So I figured that somebody was making an appointment who was very desperately needing to Mm. see somebody. And that's exactly how that worked out. Now, there have been times I will actually hear someone whisper a name in my ear, like Susan or Jimmy or whatever. And then I get a client with that name. So I've just learned to accept it. That's just I mean, I I don't try to explain it anymore. I just kind of try to accept it.
4: Well, that's uh, it's it's just amazing. Um, have you have you come across like um, when you do some of the crime scene things? Uh, have you come across times where you've been in touch with um, a, a person that's a murderer or a killer or someone pretty evil?
2: Yeah, the the, the most recent case I worked on, to where I feel that. I think I, I feel like I have made the right distinction in this case. Here's another case of a people, young people on drugs. They had a sister who knew about it. I think she got angry with the brother. I believe the brother killed her, and everyone believes the brother killed her. But the, but there's been a conviction, and someone else has been charged with the crime. And yes, I think he's a dirty bird. But I do think the brother I think he is evil. I think he's a sociopath. And uh but this case is being reviewed, it's come up for appeal and it's gonna be another trial. But I believe I don't believe the person they have in jail is the person that that killed. excuse me, killed this girl. I think that everybody was on drugs and they were just able to pin it on him. And there's a, there's a lot of stuff about this case and, uh, you could even go online. It's, it was, I mean, I've talking clips in the London Daily Mail about this particular case. But I told this detective, uh, that I worked with that, that this girl was not intact, that they would not find her together, her altogether. And she said, oh yeah, they will. It's the way it could to go. I said, no, but then, but, and I even told them where I thought they'd find her body. They did not find her body there. They just found her skull there. So that was pretty uh, tricky, you know. You, I mean, I mean, from saying that, talking about evil people. I mean, someone's got to be evil to who to, to have done that to this, to anyone.
4: What do you think causes that? Like, are, are you or do you believe in like demons and possession and things like that, or do you think people are just good and bad?
2: That's a good question, <laughs> a tough one. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that no I' no, let me say this. I think that there's a lot of people out there who do bad things, but to stretch it into being evil, it's hard to say, but I do believe that there are people out there who have who who born they're a bad seed and and they will continue to be a bad seed. They will live their entire lives this way, and, and there's probably not a lot that can be done about it. I think it's just the simple fact that we have people on the planet, you have really good people, you have really bad people, and you have people who kill, and, and we know that that's the case. But I, it's hard for me to understand. I mean, I, and, and the element of drug abuse and in, in all that is certainly playing a major role.
4: And I was going to say, with with all of this going on in your life, and that, how do you um, fit that into a normal lifestyle? How do you, like, you know, um, develop relationships and and uh, and kind of still like like I guess what I'm saying is, can you just turn it off so that you can uh, be away from it?
2: Well, I don't turn it off. I just learn to set it aside. I like being psychic. I, 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 don't, I don't really, now when I was much younger and didn't understand it as well, there was all this time, you know, like, I, why I'm just being bombarded with this stuff. But, uh, but as I've gotten older, I, that's who I am. You know, I'm, a, I mean, it's not going, that's just the way it is. You know, I get up in the morning, I, I hear a word and I know that word's going to play a role in the day and it usually does. I don't have any immediate examples of that, but, I feel i actually i feel rather blessed that I have this outer lining this this layer, if you will, that I get to draw on you know so i really i really like i really like that
4: well yeah i was just i was just wondering how it would affect you know like when you're dating and doing things like how 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 you would bring it up
2: <laughs> oh okay, well. I'm married, have been for some time, and Richard, though they're asleep, <laughs> he did not care. Uh, he he just kind of goes along with it. When I told him about it, uh, he didn't seem to think anything was all that out of the ordinary. Richard has a lot of education and and in the medical field, and he would say things like, "Well, you know, uh, there are points of you know medicine and things like that that can seem kind of witchcraftery and and weird." So, I mean. To acknowledge, you know, that I have a special talent. You know, I think that was just the way it worked out.
4: Did you Did you know, did, was there anybody else in your family that had this sort of trait?
2: Everybody. Everybody. Oh. My mother, okay. uh, my dad. When my dad and I used to sit and talk about the paranormal and police work, he thought what I was doing was just an amazing, an amazing thing. You know, and he um he was and I will bring up this uh off subject a little but he was actually in the D-Day invasion but uh he told me once that there was just a gut feeling of things he should or should not do that he believed saved his life
4: wow so it's it's had a major influence throughout your whole life and family right so where do you go My from there oh
2: um, I'm I plan to keep doing this for as long as I can, or as long as I want to, or whatever. You know, I'm not I'm not interested in quote unquote retirement. I like people too much. I like being around people. And the weird thing is, this is to do these kinds of things. is 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 so social for me. I mean, I, I couldn't, I could not envision my life not doing it. At least not right away. I mean, there are some things I've kind of gotten away from only because, you know, I had that choice at this point in time. But I like, I like the psychic world. I get tired of some of the really goofy stuff I hear people do. I mean, I don't go around the pendulum and hold it over my apples in the grocery store or anything, but, you know, I do trust my, I do trust my gut.
4: (laughs) How, what do you think of, of, of the way the, uh, TV and and commercial success of of shows are on paranormal and ghost hunting and all that sort of psychics. Um, What's your opinion of of the public, um, you know, and and the way it's gone?
2: I don't like it um, because I think that they've given a very uh, highly incorrect picture of the way the paranormal really works. I mean, these some of these guys that go in and they talk about demons and this, and come to find out, with just a little old lady, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And uh, I, I just find that to be, I don't know, a little bit out of proportion to reality.
4: So, so and I do. I mean, yeah.
2: Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was
4: just going to say. So, what do you consider? Uh, what's it, what? What What would be a good good thing for someone to watch? Uh, a movie or a show or a book to read or uh, w- what would be a good source for someone that was interested in paranormal w- where would you send them
2: well there's an old book and it, it came out in like the middle 60s by a guy named harold sherman it's called how to make esp work for you that is an excellent book but and you can still get it. It's hard to find, but you can still get it. And there are other books that are very similar, but but that's the one I bought when I was a kid. And um, but there's a movie. It's called The Gift. Um, I cannot. Kate Blanchett, I believe, plays the primary role in that movie, and Keanu Reeves is in it. But she she was a psychic and she was doing readings and she got involved in a murder case. And and I will tell you that some some of the things in that movie are very similar to the things I have experienced. And of all the movies that I've seen, I think that one actually is closest to um, the real thing about psychic work. And the show, the medium—I don't know if you remember that—it came on in like 2005 or thereabouts. Right. Now, as it as it aged, it kind of got a little bit bizarre, but but that that was also i think right on the right on the spot. Wow. Those are some good examples.
4: Yeah. Now now do you have a website so um, people can get a hold of you or how do how do you like people to contact is,
2: you? Um psychicdalecarrier.com. It's actually morphed over into a site called psychicnashville.com uh, but I actually live in Chattanooga, but I go to Nashville a lot, and I go up there and I do readings a lot. And I'm going up there next weekend, but but um, I'm 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 about to have it rebuilt so that I can use it more psychic so gel carrier. So.
4: Wow, that's fantastic! And you, and you're doing appointments with people, aren't you? Like they can they can book something yes. with you. Oh yeah,
2: sure. Absolutely. I do readings over the phone. I've had clients from all over the world. Uh, you know, I love doing readings. I like meeting people, and I'm not afraid of it. You know, that, and I don't think your friend would be either. But, yeah. you know, I get all this, aren't you afraid? I'm thinking, no, no. not hardly.
4: <laughs> well, um, and, and so when you do a, a reading, like, let's say over the phone ask, or Skype or whatever, as compared to in person, it, it, do you find it quite different? Is it, is it harder?
2: Not really. I think, I think that, that when people, sometimes, believe it or not, when people call, it's actually better. And I think one reason is because when you're on the phone with a person, you don't get a lot of the little distractions. And, but it, it, it kind of, um, levels out either way. You know, I have, where I live, I have a lot of trees and a lot of birds and sometimes they're kind of loud. and they're fun you know i love them but they can be distracting because they are loud but that doesn't mean that they're so loud that i can't deal with it but uh i'm just saying that on the phone i don't have that type of distraction
4: wow it's interesting well um i guess this is uh, you know we're running out of time it's been fantastic we'll have your website um linked to ours as well so Anybody listening can just do one click if they're on the website or go to it. Um, And of course, and what
2: website is that, Al?
4: That's thehouseofmystery.com. Okay. And uh, of course, our guest has been Gail Carrier, um, and uh, you can see her in the movie The Gift. No, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) 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 But anytime you uh, we you know you have uh, a need for someone that's. uh, you know, spiritually connected. Uh, get a hold of her. And um, thank you for taking time and and trying to explain what you do and and um, what what services you provide.
2: Okay, great.
0: To find out more about our show, guests or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com.
1: Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me?
0: Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: You've been listening to the House of Mystery
3: radio show. To find out more about our guests,